Hi there, Megan Thompson here with Megan Thompson Coaching and I have news for you. The old way of parenting is dead. So here's what's new, here's what works better and much more efficiently. If you're parenting a sensitive child who's stuck in the meltdown cycle and you want your child to learn how to be more confident and to build skills of resilience and emotional intelligence, then listen up. Uh, it's very important that you understand what is going to take to break out of the meltdown cycle consistently. And today we're going to talk all about the principles that you follow as a parent. Hello, and welcome to how to parent your highly sensitive child like a ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children? Stop walking on eggshells and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you want to know the answer, you're in the right place. Here at MTC, we help parents break out of the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. We help parents stop walking on eggshells, stop getting passive, stop trying to save their child from all their emotional experiences, and basically lay out a red carpet for their child's happiness. And uh, we help parents stop getting so strict and rigid and my way or the highway and falling into patterns that they know didn't work when they were raised. And it's really important to understand what I mean by that because if your child is hitting, kicking, screaming, yelling, throwing things, saying life would be better off without me, demonstrating behavior that makes you wonder whether or not your child is grateful for all of the opportunities that you set up for them. It is very, very important that you listen in to today's show because I have news for you. If you believe that your child needs stricter rules and a stricter, stronger approach to rigidity and experiencing your authority, then you are in for a wild ride of sadness and pain. So it is very important that you listen to what I have to say. Now, you might be thinking that if your parents raised you on strict, you know, nose to the wall or even kneeling on rice or they used spanking or other sorts of corporal punishment, uh, help, tried to teach you by uh, yelling at you, lecturing you, using timeouts, uh, removing privileges to the point where you were grounded for weeks on end, any of those tactics used to control your behavior might have gotten you to stop your behavior. Might have, right? And if you haven't learned anything yet, I'm about to blow your mind. I would venture to guess that you have a really hard time following through when you don't know what's going to happen next, following through on expectations. You might have a really hard time uh, dreaming big if you don't know how that's going to lay out. You might find yourself being pretty pragmatic and you might find yourself being expecting to know exactly how things are going to work and really struggling to trust that things are gonna work out in your favor if you haven't seen other people achieve it right in front of you and you've seen it work for yourself. This level of pragmatism, tell it like you see it, uh, realism, uh, assuming that the world is too hard and, and you have to work so hard to achieve your goals. And if you don't, then 
uh, you won't achieve them, is a symptom of corporal punishment. It is a symptom of strict parenting. It is a symptom of rigid parenting. Now, this is something that we teach our clients how to deal with, and it is quite frankly something that I would prefer to gatekeep because there's a ton of mindset work that you need to do in order to hear my words and receive them. But today I am willing to share with you what I really mean about that and to really break free from the assumption that you can't hear this and move on from it. And, and receive it from a place of possibility. Because if I, if I were really holding that um, over your head, then there would be no way for you to, to, to move forward if you are the type of person who has to believe it, um, has to see it in order to believe it. Because when you're experiencing your child's behavior, that is not what you want to see. Your child is struggling and suffering and, and acting aggressively. It can be very difficult to trust that your child will stop that behavior if you loosen your grip. And it's absolutely necessary. So when we work on helping parents break out of this rigid parenting, this overly strict parenting, this control-based parenting, we hold their hand. We work with them almost 24-7. I mean, we don't work Sundays, but we don't work um, weekends at, at the intense level that we work during the week. And it's also true that when you're coming at parenting from this high level of intensity, you're tired. You're so tired. I mean, think about dragging a dog on a walk all day long with a leash tied around their neck and they don't want to go in the direction that you're going. You're going to get tired. You will feel the weight of pulling that animal behind you. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're trying to lead your child from an animal-based brain uh, training manner when your child is a human being and dogs don't even respond to that level of force and fear, right? So why are you telling yourself that your child will respond and live their best life forward if you have been raised in a way that you try to control other people through power? What is very important to understand is that your child can live a different life and your sensitive child is an alarm bell in your family dynamic. The entire family dynamic is struggling right now and this is your wake up call. It is up to you to decide to parent differently. And I have exactly what, what is going to help you move the needle more efficiently and effectively and we're gonna talk about that later today. But what's critically important for you to understand is that your child is silently suffering. And if you aren't clear why you are silently suffering or the fact that you're silently suffering, then this will be very difficult for you to understand. And this is my first invitation to you, to get curious today to move out of judgment, to stop thinking that, that the, the old way of parenting is going to come back. It's not. You need to have that reality check and come to the conclusion that fear-based parenting is dead. Sensitive children or not, children in general do not respond well to fear. If you are trying to teach your child to respond to you by requiring them to listen to your rules and to do what you say, even if you're not always consistent in what you do, then you are teaching your child that they have to listen to you come heck or high water, and you are teaching your child to stop having a critical thinking mind. What happens, though, is that on the flip side of this, you are asking your child to use their critical thinking skills. In other avenues of their life, you are asking your child to engage 
in common sense, to assess situations and to think in gray areas. Now, we are not going to dive into why that's completely inappropriate for a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old today, because that is the understanding of child development that is ready for a different show. Your child's brain is not capable of thinking at that level. What it is capable of doing is responding impulsively or responding calmly. And so when you look at that from from a four-year-old's perspective, from a nine-year-old's perspective, from a 16-year-old's perspective, it is very important for you to understand what your child's brain is capable of doing and how you are helping your child be accountable for controlling their own behavior from a place that is developmentally appropriate. Now, your parents didn't have the science and the research that we know. And so it is up to you to decide, are you going to debunk that science because your parents didn't have it and they were ignorant and therefore they did the best they could and have that justify that you get to stay ignorant and you get to tell yourself you're doing the best you can? No. Any well-meaning, loving, caring, kind parent is going to take this strong kick in the butt (laughs) uh, conversation and say, you know what? I do need to look at things differently because my way ain't working. All right. So if you're ready to roll with me on that, great. If you're not, pause this show, have a moment, throw your own tantrum, if you will, and then come back to it. Because bottom line is you're going to need to accept reality. And if you're not willing to do that, we're probably not a fit to continue this conversation. So let's move on. When we think about the best way to teach your child how to creatively solve their problems, you need to be able to creatively solve problems. And so being strict and black and white and saying my way or the highway will never teach your child to think outside the box. And highly sensitive children are exceptionally good at thinking outside the box when they have skills to regulate their emotions. I'll say that again. Highly sensitive children are very effective at creatively solving their problems in the moment when they have skills to regulate their feelings, when their feelings no longer control their impulses. Great news. That is something that you can teach your child to do because you have to teach your child to do. Highly do that. Highly sensitive children are only ever going to learn emotion regulation getting their feelings under control and controlling their impulses as a result through their parents. There is a concept called vantage sensitivity that speaks of this specifically. Highly sensitive children and how they respond to their parenting environment directly impacts how successful they are in life and how successful they are in life is right now in front of you. Does your child feel successful? Does your child successfully manage their emotions and act aggressively Uh, and and refuse to act aggressively because they know that they can do something different and they feel that in their identity and they don't even have to think about going that way? Or are they instantly regretful and feeling so sad that they acted impulsively? And are you seeing that? Because that is an awareness that your child knows right from wrong, but it is not an awareness that your child knows how to control their behavior. Those are two very separate skill sets. Now, Let's look at understanding why strict parenting never works for any child, but specifically for highly sensitive child, because that is my specialty and that is our specialty here at NTC. And that's why you're watching what we have to say, because if you're following any sort of generalist parenting strategy or tactic or, or focus, it's incredibly important that you understand 
how they're talking about intensity, frequency, and duration of these ineffective behaviors. All right. A, a non-highly sensitive child who has to learn how to control their impulses may be demonstrating hitting, meltdown behavior, or uh, you know, yelling and, and, and verbal aggression maybe a couple of times a week, maybe, right? But when you are parenting a sensitive child who is stuck in the meltdown cycle, your sensitive child is demonstrating these behaviors multiple times a day, multiple times a day through for more than five minute stints each time. And none of that is developmentally appropriate. It's also a clear indicator that your child is struggling and is highly sensitive because highly sensitive children take their behavior to the extreme and it's not a choice. It's the only way that they know how to communicate through their behavior. And so when you are stuck assessing whether or not following a generalist approach to meltdown management or ineffective behavior management is going to help you, here's your sign right? Because that perspective of just set, talking to your child after the, um, after the event and helping them figure out what to do better next time might feel good in the moment, but it is not effective at breaking the pattern because general positive parenting or gentle parenting strategies are working with the assumption that your child is losing their mind 30 to 10 to 20% of the time in their life. You know that your child's major behaviors is happening 30 to 40% of the time on a daily basis, not 30 to 40% of the week, which is where the general parenting perspective is looking at. Okay. So why is this so important? This is so important because if you need to assess how big this behavior is, you need to be looking at it clearly from the framework of somebody who knows what they're talking about, not somebody who's using the same word meltdown, but not in the same context. I'm talking, you know, 10, 20, 30, 90 minute meltdowns, all day long prickly pear irritability where you're walking on eggshells and you're feeling like you need to be in control and you need to have your kid under, under your thumb. That level of intensity that you're trying to parent from is very tiring. And when we think about that perspective, it's critically important that you listen to what is going to help you relax and relinquish control and allow your child to control themselves because that is what's possible. And we help our clients do this day in and day out. So you can't tell me that your child can't do that. All right. So here's the important piece to this. If you are in charge at that level where you have your child under your thumb or you want to have your child under your thumb in order to maintain their behavior, then I have news for you. Your child will never control themselves. Why? Because you're using personal power over your child and then trying to tell them that they need to be in charge of their own behavior. Do you see how that's backwards and that actually contradicts himself? You will continue to be the one in charge. It might work in the short term, but it completely perpetuates a sense of feeling like your child isn't good enough to maintain their behavior. They have to look to you to know what to do. And that indicates to them that they don't know what they're talking about and they don't know what helps. So you can't follow that statement with, you know, what's best, you know how to behave, you know what you're supposed to do. Why aren't you doing it? Those two things could clash with each other. You are literally hypocritical in your own home. And I know you don't want to parent from a perspective of being hypocritical, do you? And so what happens is in this dynamic, you need to understand 
that your child needs you to lead from a place of empowerment, not from a place of control. Those are two very different expressions of power. So the best way to solve this problem is to teach your child to be in charge of themselves, not from a place of fear, like that they're going to get in trouble if they don't, or trying to stay in your good graces where they need to, they make you happy if they do this, right? Your child needs to, or, or they need to earn privileges and trying to use an external reward like access to screens or fun stuff or experiences with you. None of that is, is an effective way to parent. Your child needs to feel clear that they know how to, to choose their own safe behavior. That's what allows them to, to notice that they're safe. That's what allows them to feel in control. And that's what allows them to combat shame. Now, if you're using something outside them, whether it's your power, your graces, or your mercy, then you are parenting from fear and you cannot parent from fear and love at the same time. Now, if you're using something even external, oh, the, sorry, sweetheart, the clock says it's time for bedtime. Or, oh, sorry, sweetheart, you didn't earn, you won't earn your sticker if you don't do the thing. Or you're not going to get more screen time if you don't give it back to me. What happens? Then you create a situation where the item that you're using and you're giving your power away to becomes more powerful than your word, than your mentality, than your love, care, compassion, and guidance. And that ruptures the parent-child relationship. Your child stops trusting you and starts edifying this thing, the clock, the sticker, the screen. And they give away their power to that thing too. All right, so here's what's incredibly important. When we think about being able to break out of this pattern consistently, it is so, so clear that you need to understand how you set your own goals for yourself and how you set your goals for your child from a place of understanding how your child thinks. Your child does not think from you. That is uh, like you, excuse me. That is an antiquated assumption that was busted in the 1920s. You are 100 years behind science. If you are telling me that your kid thinks before they act, Sorry, man, it's not working out. That's just not how the child brain works. Highly sensitive children and children in general think in the present moment. <laughs> they are the ones who are saying what I see is what I get. You are an adult. You can think beyond that perspective. So you need to lead from that place. And so when we think about understanding what that means, that means that your child cannot be taught from an after the moment assessment. Well, this baloney pants, big explosion happened. Let's look at it and pretend that you know how to stop yourself, talk about it a lot, encourage you a lot, show you that I love you and I trust in you and I can help you, and then support you in thinking that you can control yourself and then you're gonna just go do it when time comes, right, sweetheart? Now, we know that conversation isn't happening like that. Sometimes it's happening with you waving your finger. I know you're better than this and that's not okay, which is shame-based parenting. And then other times it's a, why did you go to need to go do that, bud? You know better than this. And it's a love-focused, shame-based parenting. I'm very disappointed in you, which still perpetuates shame and guilt 
in your strategy. And so what happens is your, your kid feels like a piece of crap. You can't feel empowered and like a piece of crap at the same time. Those two things are opposites. And so what happens is they start to tell themselves, I need to do better. I need to do better. I'm a piece of crap and I need to do better. My daddy or my mommy, they don't like me. My parent doesn't like me. I won't, they won't like me unless they do what I want. Because a child is thinking like a child. It's in basics. They're not pulling in all of the evidence of why you love them unconditionally. Because you're parenting conditionally. You're using fear, which is not a love-focused parenting tactic. And so they start to bleed into this and feed into this. All right. So what happens is you need to understand how the child's brain works. You need to understand how to support your child to notice in the moment how to manage their big emotions. And you need to be able to rewire their brain to become much less reactive in general. That requires you to go way upstream from the catalyst of the experience when their brother takes their toy and they want to hit their brother. That is way too, you're trying to stop the train before it's about to crash, my friend. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So when we work at supporting sensitive kids and understanding how to remain calm and dissipate the intensity of their experiences all day long, then they don't go from zero to 60 anymore. Because newsflash, they were never going from zero to 60 in the first place. But as a parent, you didn't have the skill set to assess what was adding straws to your child's camel's back. That was a mouthful. <laughs> but it's really important to understand that your child's experiences are stressful for them in many avenues of their life. Now, I am not saying that this is pink permission slip to coddle your kid. It is not. However, it is a permission slip for you to notice that if you don't know what you don't know, then you need help. You need help in breaking out of this pattern. And there is no shame in finding an efficient, effective, and speedy way to solve your problems. None whatsoever. Parents who are stuck in this meltdown cycle are also suffering as well. You know that. You know you're frustrated with your kid and you don't want to be. You know you love your kid and you don't want to stay perpetuating that yucky anger all day long. There's a lot of heat and frustration and aggravation that you have to stuff down and pretend that isn't there and compartmentalize in order to go to work, in order to parent your other children, right? In order to move on to getting you know food on the table. And if that's the situation that you're in, then you need to be able to notice that trying to put your emotions and experiences and day-to-day uh, -day life in neat little boxes isn't an effective way. And you can't lead from that place. Your child needs to learn how to experience something and let it go, not experience something and put it on a shelf or stuff it down. That's what you learned as a child. You learned that your emotions don't matter. You learned that your emotions aren't that big of a deal. You learned that you needed to suck it up and deal with it no matter what. Because your parents didn't know any better. And when we look at child development science, we look at emotion regulation science, we look at the science behind the highly sensitive trait and how it shows up as ineffective labels like anxiety or depression or even ADHD from a place of assessing inattentiveness or uh, intermittent explosive disorder or disruptive mood dysregulation disorder, which is bipolar hidden in different language, then you get to understand that your child 
might not fit that label, but in fact is struggling at the root cause because they don't know how to let their emotions go. Not because they, they go from zero to 60 and are, are on edge all the time. Now I encourage you to notice that if this is something that you're struggling with, there is absolutely a different way to, to break out of this pattern. You need to use play. You need to find playful ways to teach your child how to forgive themselves from their, from their experiences, to feel powerful in solving their problems. And you have to be able to find some way to compromise. If your child isn't there yet in their skill set, then you need to be able to hear yourself say, well, that's not how the real world works. The real world isn't gonna wait for my child to move on from their emotional experience. And my answer to you is yes and no with that statement, right? Because if your child can in the moment feel frustrated, breathe, reduce their intensity, and then say what they wanna say in a heated conversation at work so that somebody else who's listening to them actually hears it, then yeah, the real world is really gonna benefit from that. But if what you're telling me is that the real world isn't going to handle your child losing their ish at work when their boss says, you gotta do this now, and we have a deadline that we need to move up and I need this solved by end of business, yeah, your kid's gonna get fired if they lose their mind and they say, no, that wasn't what I was expecting, ah, right? And like has a verbal vomit meltdown. Of course, the real world's not gonna respond well to that. But if, the, the, if your child says something like, all right, uh, I wasn't planning for that, okay. Um, can I ask you a couple questions? You know, end of business, what are you expecting based on the workload that's on my plate, right? I mean, that's your child breathing through, accepting reality and communicating and figuring out a middle place, right? Is their boss throwing a fire at them on purpose? <laughs> Is it necessary? Can they ask clarifying questions in order to effectively assume their boss's vision and implement it? That's collaboration, that's influence, and that's calm emotion management in the heat of the fire. You deal with this at work if you work outside the home and you need to be dealing with this if you work inside the home. Critical when you think about navigating your toddler not wanting the blue cup and needing the red cup and the red cup's in the dishwasher and the dishwasher's currently running, right? So hostage, hostage negotiation skills are necessary in parenting and they don't need to be necessary in from a place of requ requiring to call them up and feel like this is you gearing up for battle every single day when your child is beyond the age of two, right? We're talking about developmentally from a standpoint of understanding meltdowns. Developmentally, uh, meltdowns are not are an effective way of communicating and are not appropriate for sensitive children and non-sensitive children from on a daily basis from four and up. Your child should be aging out of that and time is not going to be the only thing that helps your child do that. It's clear and specific strategies on how your parenting is critical. Now, if you have a nine-year-old listening, then what you need to notice is that your child is behind in their development. And I say this with love and care in hearing this message from me and urgency. Your child is five years behind in their development. And it's time for you to take this seriously. So 
when we look at this lens, then it is now time for you to observe what to do about it, right? Now, so when we think about this is, you know, really important for, for you to understand the, the time frame, right? If you've been trying to solve this problem, and I know that many of you have, many of you listening in have, trying to solve this problem with a different approach, then you might have heard my last sentence from a place of frustration. Megan, who do you think you are that you are assuming that I haven't been working at this? And I got to tell you, that is not what I am assuming. What I'm assuming is that you haven't been following what we teach here at MTC. Because if you've been following somebody else, what you've been telling me is, Megan, I want to make brownies. And I've been working at baking brownies that don't make my family sick and that show up like brownies out of the oven, delicious and gooey and tasty. And yet you have been inadvertently following a chocolate chip cookie recipe. So you might have been getting some delicious chocolate chip cookies sometimes, and sometimes maybe the recipe isn't that delicious and you're burning it. But if you're asking to create an, an emotionally intelligent home and to have the whole family dynamic feel like everybody in the family is equally and uniquely mattering and feeling like that right now, then what I have, then the, what's important for you to understand is whether or not you're following an appropriate recipe to get the outcome that you're looking for. Because if this is the first show that you've listened to, or the 50th show that you've listened to, and you have not been able to perfect this, then it's time to, for us to have a clear conversation. Uh, because you're, it is not fair for you to use all of that history that you've been trying in an ineffective manner to get to the outcome that you're looking for and have that be judgment against your child's capacity. Because it's your capacity to apply this on your own that could very well be what's in the way of your child demonstrating their full potential. And so it's really important that you choose not to use this perspective of how you're leading your child as fair history about what is appropriate for your child to achieve and whether or not your child can achieve it in a timely manner. So it's also really important to understand when we go to that real world, in the real world, blah, blah, blah. Your child is living in the real world now. If your child is nine, they are in fourth grade and it is the real world for them right now. And if they are struggling in fourth grade, navigating peer relationships, navigating, advocating for their needs, navigating, communicating effectively at home and they are, and they are having a hard time as a nine-year-old, then now is the real world. And if your child is struggling now, then it's time to do something different now. Because if that isn't working for you, then it is important for you to think outside of your own box. So it's also really important to understand when we think about compromise, that your child has a skill gap. That means that they are going to be on their way to growing a skill, just like when your child was walking. You know, we talk about this, we joke about this with our clients, that when your child was learning to walk, they would stand up, they would hold it together, maybe teeter, and then plop, right? So they would demonstrate some fits and spurts of the ability to walk. That's a skill that they learned around, you know, 10 to, or I mean, some of you eight, if you're talking about your third kid in line, right? Um, but 10 months to, you know, a year and some change, right? A couple months after that, right? Depending on their development and, and, and their, um, their skill set and their capacity, right? There's a, there's a window where you knew they were going to learn to walk if they're able-bodied, right? And so if that's the case, 
then when they did those first couple of steps or when they did those first couple of pre-steps, right? Cruising, climbing, pulling up, etc. All of those skills, you do not look at those skills and say, well, you're not walking. You're going to need to walk. You might not be capable. I need to teach you how to walk, right? I need to walk you for you. You did not take their ankles and move them forward or take their chunky little thighs and move them forward, right? You might have held their fingers and I'm not here to talk about gross motor development right now, but you might've led them in that way. You might've given them something to, uh, to lean on, to support them in moving in that direction, right? You knew that they would walk eventually and you didn't judge their process. So it's very important that if you want your child to build navigation skills of managing their emotions regularly and long-term, you need to be thinking both short-term and long-term from a place of importance not from a place of shame-based urgency. If your child isn't there yet, then you cannot use shame-based urgency to teach your child that they should have figured it out by now. Because that would be like saying, sorry, honey, at, you know, 11 and a half months, you haven't learned to walk yet. You're never going to learn to walk. You got to learn to walk today. And if you don't, then you'll never walk, right? It is not fair to use your child's future and what they're going to need to learn in the future and demonstrate in the future uh, as an appropriate, effective use of urgency to force their development. You have to look at this as a skill gap, all right? So you need to experience urgency from a place of priority, not from a place of force. So what do I mean by that? It is absolutely necessary for you to identify that your child is miserable right now And it needs to be a priority that your child stops losing their mind on a daily basis because no child who's losing their mind on a daily basis and popping their top and freaking out or imploding saying that they're a bad kid or, or acknowledging that their relationship with you is stuck, believing that they, that you hate them or thinking that they hate you in the height of their emotion, highly sensitive children will say these things on a regular basis. And that is not likely nor necessary for a sensitive child to be communicating at this at this level. This is a highly sensitive child stuck in the meltdown cycle, not highly sensitive child in general. Highly sensitive children do not take things to the extremes if they don't feel extreme inside their emotions in their body. So this is a reason for you to fix your strategy. Your strategy hasn't been working. You've been following the wrong recipe. And it's very important that you understand what recipe works. The first things first is to assume the best for your child, assume that they're capable, assume that they can build skills and assume that you're the one that you have to learn, learn to, to, to address them. Change how you set your expectations for your kid. That's number one. Number two is change how your environment is impacting your child's development. How is your child being led and taught to include the ability to teach your child playfully? Your child has to be doing that. And then three, you need to be able to learn how to uh, do this without shame. No lectures, no punishments, Your child can experience natural consequences as necessary because that's how the world works, but it is not what helps your child move forward. Your child needs to learn strategically and you need to rewire your child's brain for possibility and resilience, not from a place of frustration and and telling themselves that they'll never amount to anything. If your child is responding after big emotional explosions in that way, then they are not rehearsing 
possibility. They are rehearsing ineffectiveness and shame and sadness. All right. So it's very important that you teach them the opposite and do that from a place of not think, making them think that their feelings and thinkings are wrong, but that there's growth opportunity here. All right. So if you want our help to do that, I'm happy to share with you how you do that through any sort of conversation with our team. You know, we're going to break down where you're stuck, what your needs are, what your goals are. And if you're ready to break out of this pattern, we help clients do this very swiftly. And so what that means is that you're need, going to need to be uh, focused on changing quickly uh, because it takes a lot of work to break out of this pattern, but it doesn't have to take years. It doesn't have to take a decade. It doesn't have to take until you see how it shows up in your child's adulthood in order for you to front run your needs and prevent those worst case scenarios from happening. Okay. Uh, and, and break out of the worst case scenario right now. You know, if your child is struggling as a parent, uh, we all need to be doing exactly what we need to do to help our child break out of suffering that's undue and only support them in experiencing regular old suffering in the world. Um, so we don't save them from suffering, but we do uh, prevent suffering from happening that is unnecessary. All right. That's our, that's our duty as parents. So it's important for you to lead your child from a place of understanding and setting the stage from a developmental standpoint. Okay. And it's your responsibility to do this efficiently and effectively. If you want our help to do that, we're happy to have a conversation with you on that. We have to assess what your goals are. Uh, we don't know if what we do is going to be the most effective for you unless we have a conversation with you and uh, your spouse or co-parent if that is part of the equation and how your child is being raised. And if that's the case, uh, then and, and we assess the situation and we understand where you're stuck and we do what your family needs to be done uh, in order to solve this problem, then you can work with us immediately. Uh, we can talk about it on that very same call, how that can get started and how you can work on it with that. And if there's a more efficient or effective way that's not working with us or you need to do that first, then what we do is we set you up with appropriate path to success because it's very important that we maintain our 98.9% .9 success rate with our clients. And that means that everybody who does the work gets the result of breaking out of the meltdown cycle. Uh, whether they came in with 22 meltdowns a day or they came in with multiple meltdowns a week that were uh, not developmentally appropriate, everybody breaks out of that cycle. And, um, and, and we set expectations for parents to do the same. And that's critically important that we feel effective at our jobs because it's very hard work that we do. And uh, we love it. All right. So in order to keep on loving it, we are happy to have a conversation with you. It is free. So the only thing you have to lose is a sense of possibility if you don't show up. Happy to have that conversation with you and we look forward to talking to you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, 
head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.